The reading is from Habakkuk, and we're starting uh, chapter 1, verse 20, verse 12, and going through to chapter 2, verse 20. Um, in the Pew Bibles, um, it's on page 940. <coughs> Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12. O oh Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. For the righteous will live by his faith. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave, and like death he is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their victim. Because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain, to set his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by crime. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbours, 
pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup of the Lord's right hand is coming round to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol, since a man has carved it, or an image that teaches lies? For he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to the wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let us pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its richness. We thank you that through your word you have spoken to us. And we pray this morning as we gather around your word, as we grapple with what you have to say to us, that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives, and that you would help us to be people that live by faith. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. <clears throat> A couple of weeks ago we uh, began to, uh, to look at this uh, fascinating book of uh, Habakkuk. And uh, one of the things that we learnt about Habakkuk is uh, he's not the happiest of people. And uh, we reckon that uh, this picture... Uh, although probably not very accurate, was uh, was perhaps the kind of man that Habakkuk was. Um, he's one of the uh, the minor prophets. They're thought to have been a, a contemporary of Jeremiah, and uh, around 612 to 588 BC. So uh, quite some time ago. And uh, Habakkuk belongs to that group of people called minor prophets, uh, which just means that they uh, their writings were quite small. Uh, as opposed to the major prophets, whose uh, writings were a lot larger. Uh, but whilst he was a minor prophet, he dealt with uh, major questions. Questions that uh, ask serious things about the nature of who God is. And uh, last uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at Habakkuk's uh, first complaint. He, he reckoned that, uh, that God didn't listen. And... Uh, some of us could uh, empathise with that feeling about uh, people that don't listen to us. And uh, he's, he also was uh, complaining that God didn't save. That God didn't listen and that God didn't save. And uh, we looked at, uh, uh, rather we watched uh, the, the video of the uh, Black Eyed Peas, Where is the Love? And uh, we recognised that, uh, that in that song, a modern uh, popular song, uh, there was a group there asking the same sort of questions 
that Habakkuk was asking. People killing, people dying, children hurt, and you hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach, and would you turn the other cheek? And the song ended with, Father, Father, help us, send some guidance from above, because people got me questioning, where is the love? And we thought that song sounded a little bit uh, like the prophet Habakkuk in his complaints about God. And so, uh, God's answer to Habakkuk uh, finally got answers, and uh, it wasn't exactly what Habakkuk was, uh, was hoping to hear from God. And uh, that's where we left uh, Habakkuk a couple of weeks ago, in a rather unsatisfactory place. And uh, that's where we pick up uh, this morning as we look at Habakkuk's second complaint. Because if nothing else, this was a man who knew how to complain. And therefore, some of us will identify with him uh, better than others. (laughs) Because uh, in any and every church, there are those people who know how to complain. And uh, you have a prophet to look to now, who maybe will give you guidance. So Habakkuk's second complaint. And uh, I like the way that the, the message version kind of paraphrases it. In the message, in verse 12, it has this, You cannot be serious. Which may sound a little bit more like uh, a tennis player from bygone eras rather than uh, a prophet. But this is what Habakkuk says. Uh, to God's reply. You cannot be serious. Uh, Eugene Peterson uh, kind of sums up in the message uh, why Habakkuk is still so annoyed and still so full of complaints. He says the prophet realised that God was going to use the godless military machine of Babylon to bring God's judgement on God's own people. Using a godless nation to punish a godly nation. It didn't make sense. And Habakkuk was quick and bold to say so. He dared voice his feelings that God did not know his own God business. Not a day had passed, has passed since then when one of us hasn't picked up and repeated Habakkuk's bafflement. God, you don't seem to make sense. Habakkuk's uh, second complaint. And really what Habakkuk is, uh, is questioning, is saying, God, do you actually know what you're doing? God, do you really know what you're doing? If, uh, if last week we could have uh, summed up what Habakkuk was saying by, uh, by playing um, the, uh, the pop song, The Black Eyed Peas. I've got another song for you this morning, but it's not quite as kind of trendy as, uh, as The Black Eyed Peas. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you could go home and, uh, you know, brag to your children or your grandchildren that we were, we were rapping to The Black Eyed Peas in church this morning. This is uh, a little bit more quirky. It's uh, a good guy called uh, Tim Vine, who some of you may have heard of, and he's got a song which is called uh, Alarm Bells. Praise. 
don't have to like that, but I, I play it because uh, because uh, it seems to me um, that when uh, when God answers Habakkuk, uh, alarm bells are going off in his head when he hears what God has to say. And uh, it seems to me that uh, one of the things we have to remember uh, when we look at the back book of Habakkuk is that we are in the Old Testament. And uh, I don't know about you, but there's some things in the Old Testament that I don't like. Uh, there's some pictures of God that are presented in the Old Testament that I don't agree with. Uh, there is even some things, dare I say, in the Old Testament that seem to me unchristian. This may be uh, news to you, maybe revelation to you, maybe worrying to you, uh, it may be not news to you. But we just need to remember that in the Old Testament, uh, we don't have a full rev- revelation of who God is. It's only a partial revelation. And uh, we do have to tread carefully. And uh, we have to grapple with some really quite difficult things. And this is what Habakkuk is doing. He begins his complaint by saying, you know, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you've appointed uh, them to execute judgments. Uh, it doesn't seem to match up uh, what Habakkuk understands about the nature and character of God to what God is actually suggesting is going to happen. That he's going to use these nasty Babylons uh, to punish God's people. To Habakkuk, that doesn't make sense. And I would say that in many ways, we're with Habakkuk. It doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to add up. And therefore, Habakkuk is, uh, is really helping us because what he does is he says, you know, when something doesn't seem right, it's actually okay to say, hang on a sec, God. What's going on? What are you doing? Sometimes we live in a world, uh, especially within the church, where people are very frightened of actually questioning God for seeing that they might be, uh, you know, a little bit off the wall or quite not to fit in with uh, evangelical thinking, the idea of questioning God. But I'm reading a book at the moment, um, which is called uh, Questions to All Your Answers. Not answers to all your questions, but questions to all your answers. And in it, the author, uh, Roger Olson, says this. He says, too often I hear that we are not to question God. Perhaps. But surely we are to question our own and others' ideas about God and the messages about God and spirituality that float around in culture, including Christian culture. Well, I'm with him uh, because actually I think what we believe about God and what we understand about God actually matters. Not only does it matter, what we believe and understand about God uh, affects the way in which we relate to God. You know, if you uh, if you look at me as minister of the church, uh, what you think about me, uh, in one sense, you know, people might say, well, I don't care what people think about me. Uh, but actually, what you think about me will actually change the way that you relate to me. So if you get the idea that I'm a, a really busy pastor who's always, you know, very busy, um, you, won't, you won't think that I've got time to sit down and pray with you or be with you or talk to you. See, what you think about somebody actually affects the way that you relate to them. And of course, not only is that true of people, it's true of God. You know, if we think God is, uh, is unjust, unfair, if we think God is, is, is some uh, huge being up, up there far, far away from where we are, 
we're going to find it quite difficult to relate to him. If we imagine God as being far, far away, how can we experience him close to us? If we think God is unfair and unjust, um, we're not going to like the way uh, that he deals with people. And uh, this is where Habakkuk is. He's struggling uh, to kind of, with this tension of what he actually believes about God and what he's experiencing and hearing from God. And he's saying the two things don't seem to add up. This loving and just and faithful God is going to allow these horrible Babylonians uh, to come and uh, defeat us. And it doesn't seem to make sense. And uh, basically what Habakkuk says is we might be bad, <laughs> but we're not as bad as them. We're not as bad as, bad as those Babylonians. And uh, what Habakkuk does is he uh, he paints this picture of the Israelites. Uh, you know, we're these, we're these small, tiny, innocent fish. And these, uh, these horrible Babylonians have got this huge reel and they're just going to reel us in. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a great fisherman, but I, I know that, uh, that fishermen have a, a, an exaggeration, don't they? They're known to exaggerate. You know, it was this big. And uh, what Habakkuk does here is he gets carried away because he thinks the Babylons are so terrible. Uh, he perhaps uh, forgets uh, that the people of God have not been that faithful. And it's true, isn't it? We can always find in life uh, people that are far worse than us. We, can, we don't have to look very far, do we? We turn on our news, uh, our television sets or look in the newspapers and we can find people who do far worse and far, far more horrible things than we do. And uh, what that does, it can make us feel good about ourselves that we're not that bad. Uh, that we're actually quite good people. And we're not as bad as whoever it is. And basically that's what Habakkuk's saying, you know, um, how can you use these people who are worse than us uh, in your judgment? It doesn't seem to add up, it doesn't make sense. Uh, we're just small fish uh, in a big pond. But Habakkuk, uh, the great thing about Habakkuk is, is although he can't understand what's going on, and though he can't make sense... Uh, there's something deep down in his being that, that still wants to believe in this God. And he says, I will look and see what he will say to me. And what answer I am to give to this complaint. And here Habakkuk's saying, well, he's got some misgivings about God, but he's going to wait and see what happens next. Because he desperately wants to believe in a faithful and just God. You know, I think many people in our, in our church, but in our society, will be able to identify with Habakkuk. Because we look at the world and we can't really make sense of what's going on. And many people ask the same question as Habakkuk asks. How can there be a just and loving and forgiving God when all this evil goes on in the world and all this suffering goes on in the world? And these are big questions. And Habakkuk, although he doesn't like what he hears... Uh, although he questions God and uh, even gets a bit upset about some of the things that God says, he says, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to be the watchman that stands and waits to see what happens. And uh, it just reminds me that, uh, you know, that we walk by faith and not by sight. That we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, that... Uh, that passage in Hebrews where it talks about uh, faith 
being certain and sure of things that we cannot see. And the temptation is to live by what we see rather than by faith. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Uh, imagine that you, you know, you're driving along, uh, maybe you're going to work on a, on a Monday morning and you're a little bit, you got up a bit late and uh, you're in a bit of a rush and you've got to be somewhere by a certain time and you see this sign, Roadworks. And straight away you're kind of agitated. And, uh, and, as you, and when you finally, after about half an hour or an hour or whatever, you actually get to the place where the roadworks are happening. And what do you see? You see all these people standing around. There's two people stood there having a cup of tea. Uh, there's somebody else leaning on a shovel. Uh, somebody else on a mobile phone. And there's one person with a digger who actually seems to be working. And everybody else uh, appears uh, to be doing nothing. And your frustration just goes out of the roof. And you think, those lazy people have made me late for work and they're not even working. And I've got an important meeting to get to. Um, that's how we see it from our perspective. What we don't see is the uh, the two guys sitting around having a brew uh, might have for the last hour been digging a big hole. Uh, and now the digger's coming in to remove the soil. The guy on the phone may be actually making a really important phone call uh, to make sure that the next part of the project is as uh, the architects want it to be. Uh, and of course the person at the digger's uh, uh, a skilled job. Uh, it depends where we stand, doesn't it, in perspective. We don't always, uh, what we see isn't always as it is. And we are a people of God and we are to uh, walk by faith and not by sight. And even when everything in the world doesn't seem to make sense from our sight, from what we see, um, we're still called to walk by faith. You see, it's easy to believe in God, isn't it? I mean... What Peter and Don have shared is, is fantastic. But I imagine if I was there seeing all those wonderful things, faith in God would not be very difficult. Because you're seeing God working in a way that is, is marvellous and miraculous. And it would be very easy, I guess, to say, well, I can certainly believe in a God now, I've seen that. Uh, but we live in a very different place, don't we? Where, if we're honest, we don't see uh, the miraculous very often. Sometimes we may even question whether God is at work, uh, not only in our church, uh, but in our land and in our country. And it's not quite so easy uh, to have faith when we can't see things. But of course, that's what faith is really about. It's trusting in God, even though we can't see him. Habakkuk's second complaint. And uh, once again, of course, God answers Habakkuk. And uh, God's answer is a little bit different this time in, uh, in Habakkuk chapter 2. Um, he answers uh, Habakkuk in a different way. God's answer is about uh, waiting and seeing. The Lord replies, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. And he has this little phrase, uh, though it linger, uh, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. And in, the, in this, I, I kind of think that God's trying to say to Habakkuk, you know, uh, things aren't actually maybe as you think they are. Because, you know, your time frame is very different than my time frame. Um, and actually, Habakkuk, I know what I'm doing. You see, Habakkuk isn't wrong to question what God is doing. 
As long as that's what it is, it's a questioning. Rather than a belief that God doesn't know what he's doing. Because you see, it's okay to question God. And it's okay to ask God that question, you know, do you know what you're doing? But it's not okay for us to put ourselves in a position where we think that we actually know better than God. But that's what many people do. They look at a situation, they think, oh, if I was God, I wouldn't do that, I'd do this. It's obvious what needs to be done here. And uh, that's when we get into dangerous and dodgy water, when we actually put ourselves in a position that says, actually, I know uh, better than God. Because one of the things that Habakkuk has to learn is that while he's, he's annoyed and angry and he's complaining and he's, 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 he's cross about what's happening, uh, I think Habakkuk just about hangs on to that fact that he recognises his position and place in relationship to God. That it's okay to question, but there's a point where you have to be a little bit careful about how far you go. And God, I think, in a, a quite gentle way, reminds Habakkuk uh, that actually he knows what he's doing. And that sometimes uh, things take time to work themselves out. So though it linger, wait for it. And then comes this uh, classic statement in, uh, in verse 4. See, he's puffed up, his desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. And that's what we're called to do. And this is a statement that you'll find repeated in the, in the New Testament at least uh, three if not four times. But Paul in the New Testament uh, actually quotes this, uh, this reference from Habakkuk. He says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to be people that live by faith. You see, many people live uh, not by faith. We live in a world and we're surrounded by people that are not living by faith. Well, they are living by faith, but not faith in God. You see, people in this world put their faith in money. If I say, but the righteous, will you say, live by faith? You know what I mean? Will you, will you do that? But the righteous. Live by Okay, and as, and as we go through it, you might want to say it with a bit of, uh, you know, feeling and kind of, uh, as if you actually believe it, maybe. Maybe, okay? You know, uh, people in this world put their faith in money. But the righteous. People in this world put their faith in, in popularity. But the righteous. People in this world put their faith in themselves. But the righteous, people in this world, want to control their future and want to make decisions about what's going to happen. But the righteous, people in this world by and large have not got a lot of time for God. But the righteous, you see that's what we're called to do. You know, whatever you're doing uh, this week, you're called to do it in a way that you live by faith. 
So when you go to work tomorrow or when you're in your home looking after your children or, or whatever it is that you're doing on a, on a Monday morning, you're actually called to live by faith. And that's not an easy thing to do. And that's what Habakkuk's struggling. He wants to be a man that lives by faith, that put his trust and belief in God. But he's struggling because of everything that's going on around him and he can't make sense of it. But he wants to believe that this is the way to live. And when we go out into the world, we're called to be a people that live by faith. And that's difficult because we're surrounded by people that by and large uh, believe in something else. We live in, in interesting times, don't we? Because many of the things that people have put their faith in uh, are starting to crumble a little bit. You know, people used to talk about, you know, as safe as banks, didn't they? Um, you know, but kind of, you know, now we're not so sure that our money is safe in the banks. That's where we used to think uh, that the security was. Um, you know, people used to think that politicians, well, you know, we can trust them uh, to sort things out. And now people are thinking, well, hang on a sec, are these politicians actually as trustworthy as we thought they were? And people starting to find out that, you know, the things that they put their faith in and thought they were solid and secure are perhaps not so. We are to be a people that live by faith. Not by sight, not by what we see, and not even by what we always understand. We can't fully understand at all times what's happening in this world. And sometimes, of course, you know, Habakkuk's saying, why are you allowing this to happen to the people of God? Because Habakkuk maybe believed that the people of God ought to be treated in a, in a better way than the other nations. And how many of us don't feel exactly the same that, you know, God, why are you allowing us to go through this? You know, we are the people of God. And there's a kind of expectation that maybe we will be treated better by God than, than other people. And the call to live by faith is to put our faith in a God who actually wants to be in relationship with us. Who demonstrates it by sending his son Jesus into this world. And what does Jesus say to the disciples? Trust in me. Trust also in God. Uh, he invites people to put their trust and their belief in him. And what do the disciples do? They say, Jesus, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> and it's kind of uh, this repetition that goes on. You know, Jesus starts talks about the fact that he's going to die on the cross. And Peter says, no, 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 that can't possibly be right. And again, we see this example, how, how we think we know how things ought to be. And dare I suggest it doesn't change. It wasn't just Habakkuk, it wasn't just the disciples, that we're just exactly the same. That if we're absolutely honest, uh, we imagine that we know a better way. And I think God would gently say to us, as he says to Habakkuk, you know, the righteous call to live by faith. Faith in me. Faith in who I am and what I do. And uh, yes, Habakkuk, you're right, you are just little fish. Uh, swimming around in this pool. And uh, you can't see what I see. And that's why God calls us to put his trust in who he is and what he's done in Jesus Christ.